this episode, Cliff Brooks and I interview Jackie K. Cooper. He's the author of Journey of a Gentle Southern Man, Chances and Choices, Halfway Home, the bookbinder. He's also a film critic who recently just received the attention and the endorsement of the biggest YouTuber on the planet. Without any further ado, the interview with Cliff Brooks, myself, and Jackie K. Cooper. All right, everyone, here we are. I'm here once again with Clifford Brooks and our very special guest today, Jackie Cooper. Hello, Cliff. Hello, Jackie. How are you? Doing great. All right. Um, I'm fine as always, brother. (laughs) All right, wonderful. So I know we have a lot of things we want to get into, uh, Jackie, about kind of your career and what you're you're working on now and kind of these uh, these funny stories I've been hearing Cliff kind of tell me that uh, kind of led you to where you are now. I'm going to let Cliff kind of run most of this. So let's just uh, let's just kind of start to head into it. But I guess what I'm going to do is uh, I'll start with this this random question. Okay, what was the first what was the first thing that you uh, ate or drank this morning? That's easy. Same thing I eat and drink every morning. Campbell's tomato juice, a can of Campbell's tomato juice, and Lance's peanut butter and cheese crackers. Beautiful. There we go. That's See, we, we always talk about routines anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, perfect. So, Cliff, I'm going to let you kind of take this away because you you met Jackie. You've inter- really interacted with him. I've heard a lot of great stuff. I've studied a lot about him before we did this, but uh, I want to kind of – here, you know, some of the conversations you've had with him, I'm sure, will influence kind of the conversation. So I'm just going to step back and let you kind of take it, okay? All right, boss. Um, Jackie K. Cooper and I met uh, a month or so ago, and um, we had mutual friends that had, when I asked, you know, for an event we had called Living the Creative Life, I was I drew a blank when it came to finding someone to be our keynote speaker. And Jackie K. Cooper's name came to me immediately from several people. And when I sat down to, to speak with him, um, there's often this cliched uh, image that people have of writers of us, you know, let me talk about how important I am. No, let me talk about how important I am. And Jackie K. Cooper does not do that. Um, if you don't laugh, then there's something wrong in your soul, in my opinion, with this cat. Um, he has a series of, of memoirs out now. And, and the fact of sitting down with him and hearing him tell stories, that, that um, ease of language that he has uh, is reflected in his books. And the, what I mean by that is that uh, there's there's the there's the gamut of emotion with no melodrama at all. There's there's stories for 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 the sake of the story, but you do take away. I mean, at least in my reading, you do take away like a life lesson from it. You know, um, because he's a man that's, that's that's living life well. I don't want to ever say that he's lived life well because his life is not over and he's still writing. And I'm talking about him in third person as if he's not on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> so. So, Jackie K. Cooper, how are you doing, boss? I am doing great. I really am. Life is good. That's that's the energy that we want on this, man. Um, let me ask you first. Um, tell the audience about uh, the books that you've written, the titles, and um, and a little bit about each one. Ooh, ooh. I hope I can do it off the top of my head. But there's been seven of them. And I started out uh, – you know, you steer me back if I'm going wrong here, Cliff, but – I, I did. I never intended to write a book. That was not one of the things on my list. Uh, you know, Jackie K. Cooper writes a book. No, strike through that. But I had kept a journal, which I encourage everybody to do. Anybody who has any writing ambitions, you know, whether you ever get published or not, journaling is an amazing thing to do. 
But I kept these journals, and I had I had started reviewing books. I did it for newspapers. I did it for television. Uh, I you know so I got to know a lot of authors, and as I met these people, you know they would say, you know everybody's got a book in them. <laughs> have you heard that statement before? I Every, have. Everybody's got a book in them. You know, and I would say, not me. No, no. <laughs> and they said, sure you do. You know, you ought to, you ought to, you know, write a story. You ought to write a book. And I just kept thinking that's not something I want to do, but I kept journaling. And so enough people said to me, you know, you ought to do this that I thought, well, maybe I should. And I said, well, you know, to my friends, well, what do I do if I want to write a book? And they said, get a publisher. And that was like speaking Greek to me. I mean, get a publisher. I didn't know any people who had publisher behind their names. But, you know, they said, get a publisher. So I called a friend in California who's a newspaper reporter, and I was talking to him. And he said, look, just go to Barnes & Noble or Books of Me and or wherever you want to go and go to the bookshelves and get a book on publishing and buy that and look up small publishers. You know, don't go for a random house. Don't go for G.P. Putnam. Go for small publishers. And so I went to Barnes & Noble. I bought a book on writing and publishers, and they actually had a little section in it on small publishers. And I picked out five. I picked out one in California, one in Texas, one in Minnesota. I don't know why I picked the one in Minnesota, but I picked one in Minnesota, one in New York, and one in Florida. And I didn't have a computer. This was back in the mid-90s. Didn't have a computer, so I got to my Selectrix typewriter, typed up a letter. Dear, I can remember it so well. Dear sir slash madam, my name is Jackie K. Cooper. I have some stories about the South. Would you like to publish them? Sincerely, Jackie K. Cooper. Now, I hope nobody out there takes that as a way to send a letter to a publisher. But I made five copies, typed up five different envelopes, did not send any samples of my writing. I thought the letter was what I was supposed to do. Sent these five babies out into the world and sat back to begin my career. And I never heard from two of them. I can't remember. I don't think I heard from Minnesota or New York, maybe. But got a letter back, and it said, uh, Dear Mr. Cooper, I do not think your uh, stories are right for us. Sincerely, whoever. And I thought, how do you know they're not right? You haven't read them yet. But that was first letter. Second letter comes back, and it says, Dear Sir slash Madam, my name is Jackie K. Cooper. I have some stories about the South for you. And I thought, what is this? They sent my letter back to me. I swear. And I thought, this is crazy. And then I looked down in the bottom right-hand corner. This is classy. Someone had written, no. <laughs> no. But the third letter came, and it was from a guy in Texas, and he said, Dear Mr. Cooper, 
I am a small publisher, which I knew because I only picked small publishers. He said, I only do 10 to 12 books a year, and I've already done picked my 12 books for this year. However, if you are still interested next year, please feel free to contact me. Hey, that's all it took. So I got a computer. That was one thing. Got a computer. And at 12.01 a.m. at the start of the next year, I wrote to my Texas friend and said, have you gotten your 12 books for this year yet? And he wrote back, and this is true. He said, who are you? <laughs> like, we don't like weirdos out here. <laughs> but and so I wrote him back. And really, that's basically, and he sent me his email address. And we started emailing. And I wrote him back and I said, hey, you know, I've, I've got some stories. I've kept a journal. I've got some stories about the South. I'd like to, you know, about growing up in the South, living in the South, raising a family in the South. And so said that and he came back and said send me three of your best stories so i went through my journal and picked up what i thought were the three best that i had and i sent those three stories to him you know yeah you know, and i as, as i did i'm thinking in my mind you know okay he's a small publisher but i wonder how much i'm gonna have to pay him you know to do my book because that's logical right i mean right. Yeah, but unknown substance. He's a publisher. He doesn't just throw money away. But he wrote me back, and he said, "I like the way you write." And he said, "I am going to fly to Macon, Georgia, from Texas. He was going somewhere else, but he flew to Macon, Georgia." And he said, "I will bring a contract with me, and I would like for you. I would like to have your book." And he said, I will come in March, and I would like to have the full manuscript by June 1st, and we will plan to publish in November. And I will pay you X amount of dollars and X percent of the royalties. And I'm, I'm like, stop, stop, stop. What did you say? <laughs> he said, what? And he did. He flew in. We met in Macon. He Brought the contract with him. I signed the contract. I started gathering all my stories together, and I sent off the manuscript, and it was called Journey of a Gentle Southern Man. I worked on that title. I, I really liked that title, Journey of a Gentle Southern Man. And then once the book came out, people would come up to me and say, hey, I saw your book, Journey of a Southern Gentleman. I said, no, 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 no. <laughs> Gentle Southern man, and it was just it was just stories about my childhood, growing up growing up in South Carolina. Uh, I really, my mother died when I was fourteen years old, and I had always thought, you know, if I could, if I did write a book, if I could put her name and story about her, she would be immortalized because yes. as long as that book existed, her name would be there. And that was that was the, really the impetus, you know, for that first book. And I told some stories about her and her childhood. She told me and and things about her and things about my family. You know, I didn't I didn't have any idea what the reaction was going to be because it was just a book of stories that I like to tell. 
And I talked to the guy in Texas, and this is kind of a theme through my life. I talked to the guy in Texas, and I said, what made you decide to publish my book? And he said, I liked your stories. That's all he said. I liked your stories. And that's what it takes. I mean, I said that. Well, you heard me say this, Cliff. And, you know, but all it takes is finding that one person who's in a position to publish you, who sees in you what you want to be seen. I hope that makes some sense. It does. It does. But but he was he was the one, and you know, out of out of out of the universe, somehow I picked this little small publisher in Texas, and he responded. Do you want me to keep going with the story, or you? Oh, no, well, I did. Yeah, I mean, I want to for for the folks listening because um, online, what are the titles of your seven books? Well, we've got we've got Journey of a Gentle Southern Man, we've got Halfway Halfway Home. Uh, the Sunrise Remembers, uh, The Bookbinder, Back to the Garden, Memories Missed, and I'm missing one. But those are those are six of the seven. And there's, I mean, it, it, there's so many new things now that I hear. The, the second time that I've, I've heard this story, um, when you say that you know you you saw your your mother as as the impetus in her life and her, you know, her, her influence on you as, as a, and her, and the immortalization of her in your books as a, as a driving force in your creating them at all. And that leads me to the question. Um, do you believe that, uh, it, it increases your chances of not just being published, but readability when your focus is not so much on you, but what brought you to want to write that, that energy? Well, you call it energy. I call it passion. Yes, sir. Yeah. I was gonna I was gonna find a way to write. I didn't know I was gonna write a book or seven books and working on the eighth book, but there was a, there was always this passion in me to write a journal, to write articles for the newspaper, to do book reviews, to do movie reviews. I just liked the concept of telling a story or telling you know a, a, my opinions or whatever. Just seeing the words there, right? And, you know, and I said this, you know, when, when we talked before, and Michael, you may know about this too. But if you're a writer, or, or a composer, or I'm sure it applies to other fields, but the greatest thing is, you know, I, I, this is my computer where I'm talking, to y'all. But I, I'm sitting here at the computer and I'm I'm writing a story or whatever, and somehow. I go outside myself and I'm not aware of what's flowing through my fingers onto the page. Now I know that some people who are listening to this are going to say, Ooh, you know, <laughs> crazy, crazy time, crazy time. But I've talked to other writers and they say it's true. It's something, it just flows through you and goes onto the screen. You know, I, I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. It, it and in fact, I mean, I think that 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 woo-woo factor that you're talking about, as far as when we, because I don't know if this happens to you or, or, or to either of you, but when have you ever been asked the question like, where does it come from? You know, where do your stories come from? Yeah. And have you ever been stuck like I don't I don't know how to, and I think that's where that 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 
I, I feel the same way. And and, and Amade, I know with, with music, do you feel do you feel that as far as like that that intangible force that that passion is in you, but where the words come from, I've not been able to nail it down. What do you think? I well, you know, and it's funny for me. I I don't even uh, draw the distinction at music. You know, I, I was telling someone the other day that I think, uh, you know, poetry, writing, music, art, all that stuff. In reality, it's just different facets of the same thing. And so, honestly, what I'm tr- I'm trying to get to that place, no matter what I'm doing, I want to get where I'm completely out of it. My ego's not involved. It's not. Oh, look at what I'm writing. It's just it's flowing through me. For me, I, and, that's and, that's something I go for. And Michael and Cliff. And then you look at it and you read it or you hear it or whatever, and you think, oh, my gosh, I, did, I didn't know that was there. It, because it takes control. And, you know, and I'm not telling – I will say this. You know, I write every day. It doesn't happen every day. No. <laughs> you, got, you just got to be grateful for those times that it does. And then you just got to keep plugging away for the times that it doesn't. Yep. But those times that it does, those are the special times. Jackie, do you find um, that that same magic happens when you do movie and book reviews? That that, that, that sometimes when you you, you didn't you ha- sometimes you create an, you have an opinion on paper that you go, oh, I didn't know I felt that way. I, I it, it will it will be. Um, I've heard people say when they write fiction that the characters sometimes leave them. To you know, to the story, they didn't know the story was going to go that way. I find that when I'm sitting there and I'm writing the review, and I write the review after I see the movie or after I read the book, I don't take notes in the you know, take a flashlight in the movie and make notes. <laughs> I don't do that. I don't disturb other people. But I find that when I get back and I'm and it begins to flow, then the memory juices kick in, and I recall things I didn't even know I recalled, and things that I hadn't. When I was thinking, oh, this was important, you know, this performance, this section of the movie, there are other things that come forward. And I think it's, you know, it's it's in the mind and the mind controls what the mind controls and it comes out. When you do, do I, I mean, this is going to leave me. I've, I've got it because I mean, I see I watch on Facebook when you go see movies. You are the busiest person I have ever met. Ever, I mean, I'm like, I'm not trying. I'm I'm being serious. Like, when does he have the time? What? Give me your five favorite movies that you've seen recently. Oh gosh, that I've seen recently. I like The Avengers: Endgame. I really did. Uh, uh, But let's see. I'm I'm trying to think recently. You know what? What falls in that category? Uh, I like the movie Breakthrough. About the fourteen-year-old, the true story of the fourteen-year-old who fell through the ice. Yes, uh, there was another film, faith-based film that I enjoyed in, called Run the Race. I don't know if y'all saw that. This was the Tim Tebow produced movie about, and it was just really inspirational. Uh, I like. I, I went to see Ugly Dolls. Have mm-hmm. y'all seen Ugly Dolls? Yeah, it's an animated film that's out right now, and it's got Kelly Clark- Clarkson voices the main character and. Nick Jonas and Blake Shelton. It's got tremendous, you know, voice talent. And I said, it had it had three M's. It had music because I like animated films that have music. It had music. It had a message about we can't all be perfect and our flaws are what make us individuals. It had Moxie because that was the title of the character that Kelly Clarkson played. Three M's. But it lacked the fourth M, magic. Mm. Yeah, and 
three out of four ain't bad. Right. You know, at three of those M's, you're, you're doing pretty good. But I look for magic in the movies. I look for that thing that, that lifts me up or gets into my head. Uh, I just, you know, it can be a love story. It can be a comedy. It can be a drama. But there's things. And, Michael, you're a filmmaker, aren't you? Or you work with film? I, well, yeah. You know, I worked with film for a long time. I went to film school and, and worked on, on a lot of stuff. Yeah, but uh, I'll be heading back into it eventually for sure. Well, it's just it's that indefinable thing that you look for in a film. Uh, I, I, another movie I just saw was called The Long Shot with Charlize yes. Theron and Seth Rogen. And it's about uh, Charlize Theron is Secretary of State. She wants to run for president. And Seth Rogen is this nerdy, kind of grungy guy uh, who she used to babysit when she was little. And they meet up, and she hires him as her speechwriter. It is, you know, way out there as far as thinking that Charlize Theron and Seth Rogen could get together. But <laughs> right, right. They're such good actors that they bring you into it. You mm -hmm. actually buy the relationship. And whatever, whatever, you know, the casting director probably stumbled onto, but the chemistry is so good. Right. And that's, why, you know, that's what you look for in, in everything. You look for chemistry. You look for magic. Uh, I, I just read the latest John Sanford book. I do, right. I do sound busy, don't I, Cliff? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> read that and he is he he creates this and lucas davenport is his main character and he's got these sub characters and they all interrelate and the humor between them and he's gotten it down he's done these are the, the prey books p-r-e-y and he's done like 14 or 15 of them i don't know but he's got it down pat and he creates this you know magical interrelationship between the characters but let me say one thing you, you talked about i'm the hardest working guy in show business, but I, I you know, we'll talk, I'm sure, about these YouTube subscribers that I, I found, and last week, I, I reviewed seven movies, and this guy wrote me from New Zealand today, sent me an email, and he said, we appreciate so much the movie reviews you're doing, but, but don't wear yourself out. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want anything to happen to you. Those seven movies. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your life. And I wrote him back and I said, seven movies is 14 hours. That's two hours a day. That leaves me 22 hours to do stuff. <laughs> it's not that much. Yeah. <laughs> now, what? Yeah, it, it's, it's there. There, there's, um, there are two camps, and there are two camps for everything. Um, the one camp that's all about the hard work, and then there's there's another pa there's another camp that's all about the passion, and like the truth, I believe between two people, the, there's somewhere in the middle where it's hard work and then it's also fun, but people can't see you, and I wish that they could in this interview because the the energy and the joy that that you convey in your voice and in 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 seeing you, I think is vital to a a life, but also a career that pays off in the long run. You've got to love what you do Absolutely. for other people to get to be affected with that. But to what you said, Cliff, you know, you can have all the passion in the world, but if you aren't willing to put in the hard work, then you're just going to sit around being passionate. Uh, <laughs> you're not going to produce anything. Yeah, right. And also, if you're just willing to work hard and you don't have a passion 
for what you do, again, I don't think it's going to work. So you've got to combine those two things. Like you said, it's a combination of those two things. And, you know, writing a book, uh, and I've been very, very fortunate. I ended up with Mercy University Press, and they're wonderful people for me. I love them to death. But, you know, they give you deadlines. Right. (laughs) And, And you have to work hard sometimes to meet those deadlines. And then they give you the first draft back and all the edits and you have to go through you know i'm not saying that's drudgery but that's not the passion part of it you've done the passion part when you wrote it now you're down to the brass you know tax to to get it cleaned up and get it ready for publication and that's what i want to refocus on is that you have so many shows and, and lectures and, and uh, workshops where they, they focus on stoking that fire, and then you'll have inevitably somebody say, okay, well, what do I do once I've stoked it? And it seems to peter out. And these are the topics that I want to hone in on. When you Editing to me is, is, a, is a fascinating part of the writing process. And um, do, you, do you find um, when you – not just when you get it back from the editor with the press, which I believe is vital, but when you go back through kind of and, and look through the, the, what you've written – let me ask you this. How do you edit your work personally before you send it to the publisher? Uh, I, I'm big on spelling and grammar, and, you know, punctuation, all that stuff. But my concepts, you know, the idea, the, the gem or, or the germ behind the story uh, pretty much stays the same. I don't change that after I write. Uh, I've pretty much got that in my head, and that's been go. I clean it up. Uh, I hate to say it, I do very little editing. Uh, I I do, and I appreciate Mercer provides me with a wonderful guy who's who's my editor, and he knows me, and he knows my vernacular. Does that make any sense? It makes perfect sense. Yes, I, he does. I, you know, I remember the first editor I had. It was not him. And uh, I had put in there, you know, something about I was sweating like a hog because I'd heard that all my life. And that's one of the things that we say in South Carolina and Georgia. You know. And this lady wrote me back in the edges. She said, uh, technically, hogs do not sweat. And I thought, <laughs> uh-oh, I got the wrong person yeah, no, here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, but, but, but. Working one of the great things about working, I've worked with Kevin on probably five of my books, and he really does get me. Uh, which, which is, you know, he gets my humor, he gets my pathos, he gets my drama. He, you know, he he knows where I'm headed almost before I'm headed there with the story, but he cleans them up. He, you know, he'll he'll come back and you know, he'll say. You know, you had a story too similar to this one in the first part of the book, and now you're, you're kind of repeating yourself, and we'll yank that story out, we'll substitute another one or, or whatever. But he gets me, and and that's a real, real plus. That's something that, that has has gotten more focus in the, with finding a, an editor that gets you is a diamond in the rough, but it is definitely worth the drudgery to find them because like you just said i mean it's that that uh, I, in my head i worry like how am i gonna bring these questions up and, and jackie you make it so easy um you touched on there are two questions i have with that again um what i heard you say was that you know when people say well i need to find an editor 
Um, it doesn't need to be um, a blanket. I don't care who it is. It need you know people need to find that editor, like you said, that gets them. Yeah. And because and- otherwise it's going to be like, well, pigs don't sweat. Well, that's not what I'm saying. You know. Um, and then part two <clears throat> of the what I'm what I want to ask you is, have and people always like, and you said it earlier in fiction. They say that sometimes the characters will lead them along and surprise them. Have you ever had that happen with nonfiction when you write memoirs? That when you were remembering something, you remember something different this time about the event than what you were originally saying. I'm pretty much, I'm pretty much locked into my memories. Uh, right. You know, but I have a brother who's an English teacher who lives in Florida, and he and I grew up in the same household with the same schools, etc. And I remember. I sent him the manuscript for the first book, you know, as I was sending it to the guy in Texas, I, you know, thinking my, you know, he would write back and say, oh, this is wonderful. You're the greatest writer who ever lived, et cetera. Right. He sent my, that manuscript back and it was like, you know, your English teacher used to do, there were red lines through it and red right. books in the side and this didn't happen. And you weren't in the third grade when this happened, you were in the second grade and I decided then, hey, it's it's my memories. You know, you can you can write your own book. You've got your own memories, but I know what I recall. Right. And and, and you know, to answer your question, it pretty much stays the same. I mean, you know, I, now I will tell you this: I can go back now, and I've I've gone recently and done some readings, and I've read from different you know, stories in different books. And I'm thinking there, I had forgotten all about that. And it, yeah. brings it, and it brings it back up. And it's a great refresher. And, you know, it's it's good for you. Uh, it's good for your writing to, to go yeah. back and see where, where you were. But I did want to bring something, you know, you can cut me off on this. But one thing, too, I, I, you know, I told the story about how I got my publisher out in Texas. But... I want to follow that up because I think it's really important that people know this. I was I was just like blown out the way that I had gotten a publisher. I had a book printed. I remember going into Barnes and Noble and Macon, and I walked in the front door and they had my books on display at the center table, and I was like, "Oh my god!" And the woman came up and said, "We've already sold one," <laughs> and I thought, "Which one of my relatives got up here before?" <laughs> And bought a book. It was great. But the follow-up to that story is that after the book had been out a year, I called the guy in Texas and said, I've got more stories. Why don't we do another book? And he said, oh, Jackie, I'm getting old. I'm going to retire. And I've just been kind of staying in business because just to keep your book out there, but I'll give you the rights back to it and but I'm I'm going to retire, and I thought, oh my gosh, I don't have a publisher. And I swear to you, two weeks after Tom and I had the guy text, I had that conversation. A lady in Atlanta called me up, which again is unreal, and she said, Mr. Cooper, I just read your book, and I said, oh great, thank you. And she said, I'm a small publisher here in Atlanta. I wondered if you had thought about writing a second book. And I was oh, wow. like, what? I mean, it was just providential. 
And she said, yes, let's meet at the Barnes and Noble in Jonesboro, or McDonough, somewhere like that. And so I agreed and I went up there and she said, I, I really would like to publish your, your, your second book. You know, I'd be really excited. Chances and Choices. That's one I forgot while I got. And uh, so she pulls out this contract and said, you know, uh, you know, I would like to sign you up at this house. I'm glad people can't see you know, the expressions on my face because this sound is so stupid. But I said, well, you know, I really need to let my people look at that, which I didn't have any people. You know, my people were were me. But I didn't want to be too eager, and I'm looking at it, and I was thinking, oh, my gosh, this is better than the first contract. And I go home and show it to my wife. I guess my wife was my people. And, right. you know, signed it and shipped it back up to Atlanta and came out with the second book. And to make, you know, make this quick, a year later, I said to her, Kathy, you know, uh, I've got more stories. How about us doing a, a – another book and she said oh i was just gonna call you i declared bankruptcy this oh month. no <laughs> and i thought i am killing publishers as fast as they can <laughs> you're shutting them down jackie back a mole and but again people need to know you know yes i i had one guy retire on me i had her go bankrupt on me and this is when people said to me, why don't you try Mercer Press, Mercer University Press? Well, Mercer University Press is a long-established, very fine reputation. Uh, I felt like it was way above my level. And me and my, you know, my little small publishers, they don't fall in the small publisher section. And I thought, okay, okay. And I, I, I made an appointment with Mark Jolly, who's the, the publisher and i went up there and i don't have never had an agent and i just decided okay i'm gonna give it the best i went in and say you know mark i've got two books journey of a gentle southern man and chances and choices and these are such great books and they haven't sold to their potential yet people are asking me every day where can they get a copy and i said if you would reprint these books they would be bestsellers for mercer and it just would just be great and Mark Jolly, if you ever get to meet him, he's one of the nicest people in the world. And he says to me, Jackie, Mercer does not reprint anything that they did not originally publish. And I say, oh, but Mark, you don't know. These are the best books in the world. You know, these you know, people are just calling. I'll get them to call you and ask. You know, they are <coughs> demanding these books. And he said, Jackie, Mercer University Press does not republish anything that they did not publish originally. And so after beating my head against that door, I packed up my little briefcase and left and went home. And thought, well, I had two books. That's more than other people had. You know, two book wonder. There I am. More than I ever expected. A couple of weeks, the phone rings. Hello, Jackie, this is Mark Jolly. You were so busy trying to get me to reprint those first two books. I just wanted to know, are you working on anything new? And I said, well, I do have this idea for some more stories. And he said, come talk to me about that. And I went back to Mercer. <laughs> this is so great. <laughs> I went back to Mercer. He signed me to a three-book deal. Oh, nice. 
and he reprinted those first two. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it would have been very easy after the first guy said, Jack, I'm going to retire, to think, well, lightning's not going to strike again. But you can't let that hit you. And then when, when Kathy said, I declared bankruptcy this morning. Oh, my gosh. You know, but then it was just everything was just setting me up for mercy. Right. I think that. I agree. It, it's here. I can go again. Two things. Um, now, let me preface this by saying that I do not nor have I ever had an issue with 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 agents. But in your case, did not having one, not having an agent in any way um, make your journey harder? I don't think so. Uh, you know, but I will say this, you know, Michael, Cliff, everything, I had a great career. I was, you know, I, I went to law school. I practiced law for a long time. I transferred uh, into uh, a government job. I retired from that. Uh, I've made a nice living. I got married. I have two sons I'm immensely proud of. All of this that occurred with the books and all that stuff was just icing on the cake. It was stuff I never, ever expected. I mean, getting a book, getting that first book deal, it was like, oh my gosh, I never, I never planned on this. This is great. Seeing my books in Barnes and Noble. First time I ever got invited to a book festival. Oh my gosh. And I looked around and I saw people that I had reviewed their books and they were there. And I remember one time about the third book festival, I think it was Delonica I went to, and they put a little card in front of me and it said, Jackie K. Cooper, memoirist. And I thought, I'm a memoirist? (laughs) But all of this has just been unbelievable uh, in its aspect. I never, never, you know, I, I, I could tell you, you know, so many times where things happen. I, I grew up in a small town in South Carolina, Clinton, South Carolina, population 10,000. I live in a small town now, Perry, Georgia, population maybe 15,000. I don't know what the population, but I'm a small town guy and I keep getting these opportunities to, to expand out of that. But the great thing, as you both know, is now with the internet, you can be in some small town and connect. I wrote for the Huffington Post for eight, nine years. Uh, I will never forget the day that the Huffington Post contacted me and said, we want you to write your reviews for us. And I was like, I'm hanging up now. This is <laughs> I don't know what kind of sick person you are, but I don't want you calling this house again. And they're like, no, 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 no. Because in my mind, the Huffington Post doesn't come to Perry, Georgia to get somebody to write reviews. But things like that do happen. I mean, they really do. Mm -hmm. Again, if it could happen to me, it could happen to you. It could happen to anybody. It does happen. Now, since we're talking about the internet, we're gonna we're gonna get to my favorite story. Jackie, tell us is it, what his name? 
PewDiePie? What, what's, what's PewDiePie? Yeah, tell us how you got over a hundred thousand YouTubers. This is the biggest, the biggest YouTuber in the world, right? PewDiePie. <laughs> yes, I had no idea who PewDiePie was. Oh my gosh, I, I never heard. That. <laughs> I told you, Mike. I told you. <laughs> have you ever, have you ever heard of Reddit? Yeah, and subreddit. Mm-hmm. See, I didn't know it. I this is this is this is kind of a sad story. <laughs> <laughs> For 12 years, for 12 years, uh, well, for, for, I, got, I got asked to do a TV show for the local cable company. They came to me, and they, I had retired, and they said, Mr. Cooper, we would like for you to do an entertainment program. Uh, we have our own cable channel, and we want you to do that. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm just writing now. I'm not doing that. And they said it's a thir- we want a thirty minute show and we we have a studio set up that you can use and you can come over to Hawkinsville, Georgia and tape it once a week. I said, No, no, I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested in that. Well, then I was talking to my youngest son about it, who lives in Perry, and he said, Dad, we could shoot that here. He said, I know how to do that. We could shoot it, just zip it over to Hawkinsville. So Hawkinsville called again and said, Mr. Cooper, have you reconsidered would you you know, we really would like to have you do this. And I said, okay, I'll do it, but I'm going to shoot it in my home and just send it to you every week. And I want X amount of dollars, which I thought was more money than they would even consider paying me. And they said, sure. When do we start? <laughs> so I had this thing go where, I was, where we were shooting a 30-minute TV show. And so I, my son and I came up with this concept, too, of doing a like a three- to five-minute entertainment rundown which would be the movies that came out that week and me giving a review. And so we started posting those on YouTube, you know, just, just random or you know, on the Jackie Cooper channel. Right. And I got 136 subscribers and I thought, man, I am on fire. 136 <laughs> people are following me every week. And I did this for 12 years. I mean, you know, it would fluctuate 140, 120 people came, people went, but it was satisfactory. I had a passion for doing it and it wasn't that much hard work because I loved going to movies anyway. And we filmed it in my house, but the end of February, the end of February days that will live in infamy, <laughs> uh, my son comes over with his wife, my grandson, and they say, you know, we got to show you something on the computer. And I said, oh, well, let me tell you what happened today. And they said, no, 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 we've got to show you this on the computer. And I said, I, you know, so I don't remember what had happened, but it was something I thought was important. And I thought, well, let me say my thing. Yeah. Well, they finally convinced me and they pulled up and I had gone from 136 subscribers to something like 3,000 subscribers. Just, and they said, this guy named Maxwell uh, put on Reddit or subreddit uh, about you being a 77-year-old man. I don't know why they had to bring the age in, but a 77-year-old man uh, uh, does videos, and it went on subreddit, and then somehow through subreddit, it went to PewDiePie, who you say you knew Michael or knew about and he gave me a shout out, and you could sit there and you could just see the 
numbers going. Oh, and my, my son said, Dad, at this rate, he said, you'll have five or 6,000 uh, by the morning. Well, the next morning <laughs> I woke up, I had 15,000. Yeah. And the next morning when I woke up, you know, it was when we were together, Cliff, remember? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I, I do. I woke up the. I think it was after that. But I woke up that morning. I had fifty thousand, and then it went on up to a hundred thousand, which entitled me to have my own play play button plaque from yep. YouTube, and finally leveled out at like a hundred and fifty-two thousand, and it's dropped off that. It's like a hundred forty-six thousand, but Maxwell. The guy who discovered me, I, I wrote him and I said, why be Maxwell? You know, and he said, he's, I mean, we, we corresponded. We've never met, but we corresponded. He said, I just thought you were, you'd worked for 12 years and you only had <laughs> 136 <laughs> subscribers. And he said, and I thought you were good. And he said, I just thought you should be discovered. You should be known. And, uh, I found out later that Maxwell is a 16-year-old high school student who lives in Boston. <laughs> and, but the yo, know, it was so funny because the uh, people found out about it. Yo, know, I didn't have to tell people; they just found out about it because yeah. they follow PewDiePie and they saw me on that. Uh, but the TV stations came out, and every headline for. TV interview, radio interview was 77-year-old man. <laughs> but, you know, it's now it's like, you know, I've got 145, 150,000 new best friends. They write to me, you know, you're the grandpa I never had, uh, you know, all this sort of stuff. That's and great. Th we, we've become like a community. And it's, it, and again, I didn't do anything planning that, you know, it was just Maxwell was surfing the internet and found me and thought that poor old guy needs some more subscribers. <laughs> well, you know, Jackie, so I, I looked up the, uh, I looked up this Reddit post here while, while we were talking and I think this is really telling. I'm going to read this. Uh, so he does say it's a 77-year-old man. He's been uploading for 12 <laughs> years. He has 131 subscribers, and he uploads every week. But this is the part that I think is really cool. He is a critic and reviews all the movies out for the week. He really knows his stuff. Please check him out. Now that he really knows his stuff. That's that That is why people are paying attention. And that's why... Uh, Jackie, you had the largest. I mean, I'm not even saying I watched the guy. You had the literally the largest YouTuber on the planet. <laughs> the guy has 50 million subscribers, Jackie. I know. <laughs> I know. You know how many people would kill for that? That's great. Yeah, I'm, I'm afraid he's gonna send out something saying, "Don't watch Jackie." <laughs> they, they keep saying. Your camera work is so much better than PewDiePie's. Oh, no. Like, Shh, <laughs> don't don't say face. anything. Don't yeah. say anything. No, no. No, he's the best. He's wonderful. And he is. I mean, he, as just as Maxwell, picked me out from obscurity or yeah. virtual obscurity. PewDiePie had nothing to gain by giving me a shout out. Just help you. And, and it was like magic. Yeah. I mean, it was like. Hey y'all, look at this. Here's a guy, seven, seven years old. He's been doing movie reviews for twelve years. He's only got hundred and thirty-one subscribers, you know. Look, take a look at him. That's all it took. How cool. 
and Jackie, I mean, I, I keep I keep seeing this, and yeah, it, it, it it's astounding. And, and what I keep hearing, and you know me well enough that I don't flatter because I think flattery is just the nicest way to lie. Is there's so many things that have come out in this in this interview about you that I did not know. The energy that you maintain, uh, the 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 theme, the theme that I keep picking up is that you drive for what you want and you don't limit your expectations. If it can happen to you, it can happen to anybody. Absolutely. But in but in, in the same breath, Jackie, I mean, it's it, it, it's it's I believe what all these people have seen is that what you do, you put your whole self into. You don't bother with things that are going to be uh, half done or things that you kind of like. That fire that's in you translates and it's translated over and over to publishers you're right from your first one people would have been like no you know what i had a good run let's stop no you i mean i mean mean, you you didn't and then you had a second publisher and that went for a year and then again people would have said like well it didn't didn't strike three times but it does you know when you when when you put yourself out there and you do the right work with the right people for the right reasons i I believe that the that miracles happen but miracles are often often hard won but you, but you know, Cliff, when we were when you had the the session that you had, you know, mm-hmm. where I first met you, and we had the people there who were aspiring writers. Yes, sir. And 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 they would say, you know, one guy told me he said I've sent out over a hundred uh, letters to publishers trying to to get them to read my stuff. He said, and you only you only sent out five, but and I, that was when I told him I said. But that hundred and first letter, that could be the one. Yep. yep. You find that person who sees in you what you want to be seen, that's when it's gonna happen. Amen. And I know that it's not. But you can't say, Well, I can only send out fifty letters, I can only send out a hundred letters. Keep sending them. If you believe in yourself and you have a passion for what you do, keep going. Because look at me, look at me. <laughs> I'm, you know, I am living proof that it can happen when you least expect it, when when you don't, in some part of you think, gosh, what am I doing? But it can happen. You know, it happened to both of y'all. Y'all are doing this stuff. Yeah, yeah. true. Yeah, it's, and I just, Jackie, I, I can't, honestly, I, I, I can't, I can't think of a better way to, to, to end the show. I mean, I, I can't, I mean, with, with that sentiment. But before we wrap up, I mean, I want to make sure. Where can people find your books? How can people? Well, the easiest thing is to go to Amazon, or you can go to BarnesandNoble.com. You can go to MercerUniversityPress.com. Uh, you know, all Books a Million, all of those, uh, they're available through them. But probably Mercer University Press. You know, go to their website, and they'll just have a place where you can order the book. Sounds great. We'll link. We'll link that in the uh, in the show notes. And uh, Jackie, and everybody, it's, everybody who's not subscribing to my channel, subscribe. That's right. Apparently, it's the place to be. Apparently, <laughs> apparently, apparently it's, it's the place to be. Man. That's where all the cool people hang out, apparently. <laughs> exactly. That's what's hot right now. <laughs> but Jackie, yeah, Michael, it's, it's, been a real, it's been a real pleasure. And I got to say, you know, one thing I love is, you know, this uh, the stories they – and I, I'm someone who's had a lot of experiences that just kind of seem like – just hilarious luck in in retrospect. However, it's it's easy for us to discount the amount of work. Like if you hadn't been uploading reviews for twelve years, yeah. you wouldn't have been ready to to receive that. You know, so so the work, the passion, and all that 
goes hand in hand with the luck. It, is, it, what's, it reminds me of that quote, is, what is it, the harder I work, the luckier I get? Right. That's what it reminds me There's of. There's so much truth in that. Yep. There's yeah. so much truth in that. Man. Jackie, I appreciate uh, it. Jackie, Thank you. before we sign off, do you have anything do you have anything else you want to tell the audience? No, it's just it's just enjoy your life, you know, follow your passion, do the work. Well, Jackie, I mean I cannot I can't thank you enough for being on the show, man. It's been such an honor to have you. Hey, it's been an honor for me. I appreciate it. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Cliff. Yes, sir. Both Cliff and I want to say thank you to Jackie K. Cooper for coming on the show and just giving us such a great interview, some great nuggets there, and some great stories. If you want to find him, you can find him at JackieKCooper.com. If you want to find his publisher and be able to purchase his books, uh, it's Mercer University Press. You can find them at MUPress.org. And as always, we hope that you found something really valuable that you can apply to your own creative work. If you want to send us a message, you can. This business of music and poetry at gmail.com is the best way to get in touch with us. Until next time, keep doing the work, keep focusing, and never stop creating.